our message tonight, Revelation 21. We're going to look at the first four verses this evening. And we're going to learn about this new heaven and new earth that are going to be birthed one day in the near future. And really to set this up, we, we, we really need to know that what we see around us right now, the time we're living in right now, this environment, uh, our, our riches and blessings here on earth, and, and, and God blesses us immensely. Look at all this and all that we see and we experience here. This is not the high point of God's eternal plan. You know that? I, I think if you even spread, spread out all of eternity, we're in the period that's, that's the low point. Um, because at one point there was no sin at all and God made man and you know it gave man a free will and man chose sin we'll talk a lot about this tonight it it brought a curse it brought death it brought pain and sorrow and suffering Um, and this this is a a a time of of difficulty at times and we'll read in Job where it says man's born for trouble and the sparks fly upward anyone got any sparks flying in their in their life tonight I mean it just uh oftentimes you know it, it, the day is an evil day and jesus when he came here to this earth it wasn't to set up shop here it, it wasn't to build a kingdom here on earth he made that very very clear we know even much of israel they missed their messiah's coming because they were short-sighted and things and they were thinking god was going to send his savior for them to overthrow rome and set up this glorious earthly kingdom but that wasn't the case at all god had better plans and jesus he said in john 18 36 my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world my servants would fight so that i should not be delivered to the jews but now my kingdom is not from here and we know the lord came here to make a play a way of deliverance for us to be part of a heavenly kingdom that will be the high point of his eternal plan that will last forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Paul prays for those in Ephesus, and it's really the Holy Spirit praying through Paul for all of us that our eyes would be open to understand these things. Notice what he says there in Ephesians 1.18, and, and this is him praying a series of things. He says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God wants us to be aware of these things. God wants us to be growing in our understanding of our eternal inheritance and beautifully look at the word of god speaks so much of these things we don't have to go outside of scripture to have our eyes enlightened boy it's a glorious thing when you say lord open my eyes and as i open the word speak to me and show me that's a prayer that god absolutely answers and so we know that when god created man before sin this earth was a place of paradise there wasn't pain there wasn't suffering there wasn't death but again god giving man a choice in the matter a free will to have a real relationship with the lord there in that place of paradise remember he said you can eat of any tree in this garden but the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you will surely die and god wasn't lying about that that word die meaning separation First of all, speaking of a separation between man and holy God, and then also alluding to 
a time of a physical death that would set in. And again, we, we know how that account goes. If you don't know, you should get familiar with it. You'll find it there in Genesis chapter 3, where the serpent came along and began to question God's word. And the woman engaged the serpent in a dialogue that moved her from truth, the truth of God's word, which was if you eat of the tree, you're going to die, to believing that God's the bad guy. And if I eat of the tree, I'm actually not going to die. I'm going to become like God. And as she began to consider those things, she began to be led by her eyes instead of being led by the word of God and saw that the tree looked good to eat and to make one wise. And before you know it, she had taken from, taken from the tree and ate, and then she gave to her husband and he ate and everything changed. We'll talk a little bit more about this in our study, but we know that a curse set in, death set in. And man really moved into a hopeless state until God gave the promise of a Savior who would come. And though that serpent would bruise that Savior's heel, that Savior would crush his head. And again, we know God sent his son to make that way of salvation, not to establish a kingdom in a cursed world, but make the way of deliverance from this place into eternity through him dying for our sins, paying the penalty of our sins, absolutely dying in our place, but resurrecting from the grave and defeating sin, death, Satan, and hell, that whoever will call upon his name will be saved. And then we know as well, there's the promise of his soon return. We've talked about this in great detail in Revelation that gives great detail about the end of the age we know this time right here it's being played out right now we know that god's been long suffering you know god's long suffering in his return and setting up of that millennial reign for a thousand years and a new heaven a new earth why because he doesn't want to see people perish and you look at the world today with so much rebellion and with the love of many growing cold and the nastiness in us we've probably all had at least one or two days we're like man if i was god i'd wrap this all up right now well praise god we're not god <laughs> praise god because god's so much more long-suffering and patience and merciful but he is the judge and we know that if you keep rejecting that mercy and grace you store up more and more wrath and if you haven't called on him yet i can't encourage you enough to call upon the lord today and move from that place of being in sin and under wrath and move into that place of grace and forgiveness and right relationship with God. Because as we've seen through Revelation, the time is coming soon when the Lord's gonna come for his church in an event called the rapture. We know there's gonna be a seven-year period here on earth called the great tribulation. At the end of that time, there will be the literal coming of the Lord where the church will come back with the Lord we know there'll be a millennial reign here on earth where the Lord will rule and reign with a rod of iron. We know at the end of the tribulation, all Israel will be saved along with many Gentiles and they'll enter into that time with physical bodies like these and the Lord will reign over them and we'll rule and reign with the Lord during that time. And then we've seen the, you know, in our previous studies at the end of that time, Satan is loosed for a short time because he's bound up for that thousand year period. He tempts the nations and once again, we see the depravity of man with the bulk of the nations following the enemy and the Lord puts down that rebellion, throws the devil into the lake of fire and then all those whose names aren't written in the Lamb's book of life or at a white throne judgment and outside of Christ, they too are thrown into a lake of fire. 
A lot of people don't want to talk about that today, but you know who talked a lot about it? It was Jesus. He said it many times. Jesus talked far more about hell than he ever talked about heaven, gave great descriptions of it. And he didn't do that with a thrill or joy in the hopes of throwing men into hell. But he even died on the cross for those who crucified him there, drove the nails through his hands in hopes that they would repent and put their trust in him to be delivered from that place. Tonight, we come here to Revelation 21 and all those things have taken place. And we see at that point, after that millennial reign of the Lord, that thousand year reign, that there will be a new heaven, there'll be a new earth, the old earth and the old heaven will pass away. And absolutely, we know the Lord is here with his children right now. But absolutely, our hope isn't here in this life. It's an eternal hope. We're here for a short time. As I've shared before, you can liken your time here, like maybe, you know, at waiting in a waiting room for five minutes to go into the rest of your life. And that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface because even if you live 100 years here, a million years into eternity, could you even say this is like five minutes of your life here on earth? It's not. Our time here is very short, but eternity will last forever. And our inheritance and our hope is in the Lord. And I'll tell you, this is the low point and it's good to walk with God, but we got a glorious high point that is coming, a new heaven and a new earth. And that's what we're gonna talk about tonight and already begin to lay the groundwork for it, that all things will be made new. Let's read verses one through four and then we'll break these things down and go through them and... Like I said already, there's a lot of even applications for us in here tonight, things the Lord laid on my heart and such. He says there in verse one, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and these shall be his people, and God himself will be them, be with them, and be their God. And notice verse four. <clears throat> what a glorious verse. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Any of you in pain here tonight? I imagine a room this size, a few are at least. I'll tell you, those pains usually increase the birth pains of come soon, Lord Jesus. <laughs> Again, verse one, he says, now I saw. And throughout this whole revelation of Jesus Christ that we've been looking at, We've seen phrases like this come up over and over again. Usually it's John talking about what he is seeing. We got an eyewitness account of these things. Again, this isn't just a guy coming up with this on his own. This is a man of God, the great apostle John, who the Lord has on this island Patmos, and he's there because of persecution for his witness his witness for the word of God and for his testimony of Jesus Christ. Notice Revelation 1.9. And so they've put him on this island, Patmos, to 
try to isolate him from everybody because his witness is so effective. He has been greatly persecuted really from the birth of the church in all of his days we read there early in acts where he's beat for the cause of christ and rejoices that he's counted worthy to suffer for the lord he's an eyewitness of these things and hear this tonight he's a credible witness he's a credible witness in that john is very aged and elderly at this point and absolutely he has stayed the course in his walk with god despite so much tribulation and so much persecution we don't read of it in scripture but we know that church history teaches that john ended up on the island patmos because they couldn't kill the guy they kept trying to kill him and he was bulletproof we know there's records of him being boiled alive in oil and surviving because god was not done with him yet and he's banished out on this island and again a lifetime really of persecution as well as a lifetime of glory walking with the lord seeing that church grow so mightily in that first century and he's the one that saw these things and i'll tell you if we look at his life and what he went through and how he stayed the course i would argue you cannot find a more credible witness than john himself because if the lord had never resurrected and absolutely, if the Holy Spirit had never been given, there is no way a man would endure the way that he endured, not for a few years, but listen, at this point, he's near 100 years old. He's endured year after year after year for the cause of Christ in the midst of great persecution. So know that when we're looking at this, yes, this is written here, but John saw this. God's giving him a vision of Jesus Christ and a vision of the new heaven and new earth. And I'll tell you right now, if someone said, you can line up five guys to come in here uh you know what you can pick any five to come in here to 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 give you witness of things that they've seen i know john was on that list i would surely know well he's going to speak the truth that's not a liar and john absolutely is speaking truth here and again praise god he never waffled in the face of the persecution and adversities that he faced and i just put on my notes lord help us to do the same thing and that's one thing that happens when you get a, a genuine conversion. When you genuinely get saved and born again, you're going to have ups, you're going to have downs. But absolutely, the Lord is faithful to his people, and he gives us what we need to persevere and to move forward. And maybe even tonight, you feel a little roughed up, or maybe you feel a little down, or your tank's a little empty. I can't encourage you enough to go back to the source of our life, the Lord Jesus Christ. Return to your first love. I mean, John in his gospel and those epistles speak so much about love he's even called the apostle of love because of that love relationship with the lord and again he went through all this adversity and persecution and so forth out of that relationship with the lord and the genuineness of the witness of him seeing christ crucified and raised from the dead and again these things are recorded of eyewitness accounts as well of this new heaven and new earth so he says i saw a new heaven and a new earth and listen this is the first time we read about this promise in scripture this isn't a thing that here at the end of the book so to speak that all of a sudden this is tacked on this has been spoken of throughout the scriptures even before christ came the first time notice isaiah 65 17 it says for behold i create a new heaven and a new earth the former shall not be remembered or come to mind 
And so after man fell, see, God created again the earth in a perfect place, a perfect relationship with God. God put man in a place where he can make a choice or a decision to be able to have a real relationship with someone who can either really love you back or not. Otherwise, that's not a real relationship. I've said it many times, if your best friend is a hand puppet, you're fooling yourself because you're pulling all the strings there. God created man with an ability to choose. And when man listened to the serpent and went that way, again, we went from, you could say, a high point to a low point, but praise God, God gave the promise of a son who didn't come to establish his kingdom here, but to establish a heavenly kingdom. So after man's sin, immediately and even in god's eternal plans as he knew how these things would unfold he knew the day would come when there would be a new heaven and a new earth once these things here these dispensations or period of times would play themselves out we'll come back to what he says here the former will not be remembered or come to mind in a bit because that's reiterated in our text here but notice isaiah 66 22 for as the new heavens and the new earth, which I shall make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And gloriously, it's not just gonna be a new heaven and a new earth, but those descendants being those with faith in the Lord are gonna remain forever and ever and ever as well. And praise God, as we've already talked about, at that point, we're no longer gonna have a sin nature we're going to have glorified bodies. And again, this even bears witness in the text we're reading tonight because, listen, no more death, no more sorrow, uh, no more tears, no more crying, no more pain. Those things are all the product of sin. I'll tell you, in this new heaven and new earth, there will be no sin, there will be no temptation. There's going to be a perfect relationship that we have with God, a perfect contentment in that relationship, and a perfect relationship. Are you ready for this? Even with one another. And it's going to last forever. That's a mind blower right there. Thank you, Lord. Listen, this new heaven and new earth that we're talking about tonight, it will also be an answer to our prayers here on earth. A lot of people pray for this and they might not even realize they pray for it. Oftentimes it's called the Lord's Prayer. Some have said maybe it should be the disciples' prayer because it's the Lord teaching his disciples how to pray when they asked him to teach them how to pray. And we read there in Matthew 6, 9, Jesus said, in this manner, therefore pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I love it. He says, start, like, start by just giving praise to God. We give you praise, God. We thank you. We exalt you, O Lord. Boy, what a glorious song we sing together. And then he says, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's kind of a multi-layered prayer. We're asking right now for God's will to be done here on earth. Amen. Can we say amen to that? We want God's will done on our life. We want, again, even as the Lord's long-suffering, not wanting any to perish, it's his will that all will come to know him. Now, men have a will involved in it, but we're praying, yes, Lord, let your will unfold. We want to see people get saved. It's God's will that we'd be growing and abounding in them and using our gifts in so many things. Yes, Lord, we want that. But this is also a prayer of the kingdom of God being ushered in. It's a prayer that, again, it's multi-layered in the sense. It's a prayer of the Lord coming for his church, the Lord coming back with his church. 
a prayer concerning that millennial reign of Christ that we looked at in great detail a few weeks back. And ultimately, it is that prayer of this new heaven and new earth that's no longer tainted by sin and rebellion and Satan and death and all of those things. And that day absolutely is coming. And I'll tell you, it'll come a lot sooner than later. So this new heaven and new earth, John sees them. We'll talk more about it as we go through the rest of Revelation 21 and 22. He says, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away and there was no more sea. And the Bible speaks a lot about this. Looking for there to be a new heaven and new earth, the former has to pass away. And as I study this over the years, I, I kind of see it, it seems to be very similar to our bodies. People at times will say, well, I'm gonna get a new body. And that's true to a degree, but really it's even more so these bodies that will pass, we know they go back to the earth. And when the Lord comes back, those dead in Christ come back with them in spirit, but their bodies are res resurrected where that dust is taken and then transformed and mortality is swallowed up with immortality. And we know those that are alive and remain in Christ, the Bible says, will be caught up or snatched away or raptured and changed in the twinkling of an eye. And so, yes, we'll have a new body, but really the new body is what comes out of the ash or the dust of the old body. And there are several scriptures that talk about, you know, an earth continuing forever. So he's like, well, is this old earth or new earth? And we'll read here in a minute that, look at this old earth and this old heaven, it's, it's, it's going to melt away. And it seems very similar that out of that comes the new heaven and the new earth. Because God never contradicts himself in the scripture. One thing we do know, like these bodies, these bodies are gonna pass away. We do know that. But there are gonna be new glorious bodies one day. And this earth as we see it now and heaven in the sense of even the sky and then you know the space and then even heaven itself where God's throne is, those are going to pass away. There'll be a new heaven and new earth. In fact, we really see heaven coming down to earth and us being God's people and more so God being our God. And it's a picture of incredible intimacy. Notice Psalm 102, 25. There's a lot of verses that speak about this. He says, of old, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. They will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will notice here, change them and they'll be changed. But you are the same and your years will have no end. And so it's gonna be like a garment that is changed out. Again, this world's growing old. This world is rapidly deteriorating. Again, it's one of the easy ways to debunk the idea of evolution because the truth of the matter is if everything was like, what are they, like 14 billion years now? If everything was really that old, nothing would exist because if you look at the rate things are breaking down, there's no, it's impossible for it to even be that old, though God did create the earth with age, but it's all wearing down. Our bodies are wearing down. Some of us can bear more witness to that tonight than others. Look at you do new stuff and immediately starts wearing down. We, we seal coated the, the parking lot and everything a few weeks ago. 
look glorious and all those cracks all of a sudden you can't see them and then the next weekend it's 100 degrees and we have church and i don't know guys what you guys do when you back up and move out but i'm like what in the world some of it's already wearing down you know some of those spots where there has to be more of that sealer and whatnot and it's there immediately starts wearing down again you, you you remodel something and immediately the process starts of it breaking down has anyone noticed that it's wearing out and it's wearing out because of sin because when man sinned a curse came upon the earth and boy it had been horrible what bad news if everything was just left there to decay and to wear out but praise god god who endures forever that we just read about here god who has no end his years have no end he gave the promise of his son to make that way of deliverance out of all this that is wearing down and praise god that day is going to come and we are going to be eyewitnesses of it when all of this is going to get changed like a garment the old will pass away the new will come forth and we're going to get to see it we're reading about it right now so we don't even i need to imagine no you don't you can read it you can get in trouble imagining stuff you know sometimes these guys write these books about heaven and so forth and i'm playing racquetball in eternity where are you getting that (laughs) maybe you will but here's the thing you're going to be so content with the lord you're not even going to worry about racquetball or whatever else like well i want to play racquetball with jesus let me tell you again perfect contentment with the lord and we're going to see the changing out the changing out of those garments notice matthew 24 35 it's jesus speaking he says heaven and earth will pass away again we see that in all of these passages they'll pass away notice here but my words will by no means pass away god's word is eternal and i was thinking about this just getting ready for tonight i was thinking about this on tuesday and i thought isn't it interesting heaven and earth is going to pass away but the lord's word endures forever yet in the meantime of this low point of eternity the devil works so hard to suppress God's word and works so hard to convince people that the earth is actually God and we should worship it and will last forever. Nothing could be farther from the truth. So many trying to suppress God's word today. So many even within Christendom trying to suppress God's word today wanting to conform to the world and the ways of the world listen let me tell you god's word is for every generation all of it is for this generation even the parts that carnal men do not like god's word is yes and amen and it's going to endure forever and i tell you there's good news in his word whoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved and that's a promise that's going to last forever and ever and ever and ever have you called on the name of the lord notice second peter 3 7 it speaks of this new heaven and new earth and boy down here to verse 13 what great instruction we see for us right here right now he says there but the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire and to the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men so he said right now this stuff's all preserved right now but it's being preserved for fire it's being preserved for judgment verse 8 he says but beloved do not forget this one thing 
that with the Lord a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Hear this tonight. If you're like thinking, oh, this is so far off. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness. But he's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So it's easy for people to say, man, it's all. It's been 2,000 years since Jesus came and rose from the grave. He ain't coming back. It's funny, that's a fulfillment of prophecy. Because scripture says in the last days, there'll be people that mock the coming of the Lord, the new heaven and new earth. And he says they willfully forget that the Lord flooded the earth and destroyed it in prior times with a worldwide flood. And somebody say, oh, that's nonsense. That never happened. Story time in the scripture. Why is it on every high peak in the world you find shells and fossils from the seas? And why do you go back in just about every civilization that has a deep ancient history and they all read and, you know what, scribed and put down words about a worldwide flood? And on top of that, I'll give you something better than all that. Jesus talked about Noah and Jesus said God flooded the earth. So is Jesus a liar here tonight? I don't think so. Again, he's reserving it for a fire, but he's long-suffering. Aren't you glad he's long-suffering tonight? Let's remember that even. I know that we are to look for the coming of the Lord, and we'll, we'll get that told to us right now, even in this text. But let's remember as well the Lord's long-suffering. And while we're here, there's times that we suffer. We'll even see in the text Sunday that we're going to look at in Romans that that we should be long-suffering with one another. Because the day's coming when the Lord is going to come back, but in the meantime, he might choose to tarry or suffer longer, even in this crazy world right now, because he's wanting to see people get saved. And there's good news tonight. People are getting saved. People are getting born again. They're, they're still getting saved, believe it or not. We have the privilege of seeing people get saved and born again and coming back to the Lord. And so thank you, Lord, for being long-suffering. He says in verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And listen, thieves don't tell you when they're gonna come. They just show up one night. I guess bad thieves might tell you, hey, just so you know, I'm gonna be breaking in tonight. I think you'd probably be ready, right? <laughs> in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And notice the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up. We'll read in a second here, they're gonna melt. And it almost seems like it's just God's hand sustaining these things. And when that perfect time's come, he'll just draw his hand back and all this will melt and he'll just change out one garment for another. It's gonna dissolve with, a, again, a fervent heat. Verse 11, he says, Therefore, since all these things will dissolve, then notice here, what manner of person ought you be? How should we be living now, even knowing these things? Yes, God's long-suffering, but the day's coming when all this is gonna get changed out. He says, what manner of person ought you be in holy conduct and godliness? We should be a holy people. Amen. We should be conducting ourselves in a manner that's not like the world, but set apart to the Lord. He says, be holy for I am holy. Again, we went into great detail Sunday. We're not talking about legalisms here and man-made traditions and rules, but we're talking about the clear commands of Scripture that we have been freed up to walk in. We don't get freed up and get grace with, again, the intention of God saying, I'm gonna free you up so you go back to sin, but so that we can be set apart and be holy. And let me tell you, that's where abundant life is found. 
holy conduct and godliness. And then notice for looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Are you looking for and hastening that coming of the day of the Lord? Because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, notice here, look for a new heaven and a new earth in which, notice, righteousness dwells. He says, be looking, be hastening, and let that affect how you're living right now. Again, this is a very short time that we're here. Well, again, and we've kind of already touched on this, but for sake of my notes, why does all this happen? Because the earth's tainted with sin. And notice there's also a new heaven. Do you realize tonight that heaven has been tainted as well? By the devil himself? We know that sin, again, has brought destruction to the earth. Interesting, Revelation eleven eighteen, The nations were angry and your wrath has come. At the time of the dead, that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, small and great. And then notice here, he's speaking about that first judgment at his second coming, but it also speaks to this new heaven and new earth that's gonna come you shall destroy those who destroy the earth. Be careful when you hear people preach, make sure that they preach in context. Because let me tell you that little phrase there, you shall destroy those who destroy the earth, has been plucked out by many a pastor who worships the earth. See, that's what we're talking about here. These people that don't recycle, they're the ones destroying the earth and God's gonna destroy them. Look, it's a good idea to recycle. It's, It's good stewardship. We got a recycled building back there that we've had for 20 years. We paid $3,500 for it. That's a wise thing to do. Look at with good stewardship comes good management of the earth. We should take care of things and so forth. But listen, the earth was given for man to subdue and have rule over, not the other way around. And the destruction of the earth that he's talking about here is the destruction that came when man sinned, when he ate from that tree and said, I'll be my own God. The destruction started right then. And he says, I'm gonna destroy those who destroy the earth. I'll lay in on something tonight as well, if you don't know. Most of these things being pushed today all this climate change and all this kind of stuff. No doubt the climate's changing to a degree. I think it's part of a prophetic utterance given in the scripture of birth pains in the last days. But listen, these pushing these agendas, it has nothing to do with the earth nor you. It has to do with them trying to still assume the position of being God. And they peddle lie after lie to suppress men and take advantage of them. It's biblical, and the evidence of it abound all around us. All he's got to do is step back and look at it. I'll leave it at that. Otherwise, I'll keep going, and I'm not going to do that. we got more good things here before us. Listen, there's also going to be a judgment on this earth because this world's been, the earth itself has been defiled by men. There's so many times in the scripture where it talks about the spilling of blood defiling a land. Right now, our country is at 70 million abortions. Again, I'll say it every time. We have the God who gives life, who forgives, who restores, who heals. And if you've partaken of that lie, come to the Lord and let him 
wrap his arms around you and wash you and heal you and minister to you. You only find it in the Lord Jesus Christ and you know that you need it. But we got a land, we got a land that is marked by the spilling of innocent bloods. And that's not just this land. I think right now there's only about 20 countries in the world where that is considered what it is, a act of murder. This earth has judgment that is being heaped up. And even the earth itself that God gave men to enjoy, they're destroying it through the shedding of innocent blood and the shunning of the things of God. Yes, God is the God of love. He shed his blood to save souls, but if you reject him, judgment will come. Make no mistake about it. We also know, and I won't go deep into it, but we know heaven has been tainted by the devil. We read in Job about the sons of God coming before the Lord, not just including angels, that two-thirds that didn't fall, but that one-third that fell. It says Satan came in amongst the angels, the sons of God, and God says, what have you been up to? Well, I've been going to and fro throughout the earth. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? And you're like, Lord, what are you doing, you know? (laughs) Oh, he won't curse you. You put a hedge around him. Well, I'll let you whittle that down a bit, and we'll see. Well, you ever look at your life and wonder, boy, there's conversations about me going on in heaven right now. (laughs) Let me tell you all that Job went through. God used it for good. At the end, he doubled back everything that he lost, but more so he gave him vision and insights of the Lord that he would never have seen had he not gone through those trials. We know the day's coming, and we read about in Revelation 12, 10, you can go back and listen to that message, where the accuser of the brethren who accuses us even right now, night and day before God, the day is coming when he will be kicked out of heaven. He accuses you night and day. Do you realize that? But let me ask you, is Jesus your Lord? Can you say amen? Amen. He defends you night and day. The life he lives, he lives unto God the Father to make intercession for us. Thank you, Lord. Because you're like, oh, you know that devil just, he just goes up and lies about me. He don't need to make no lies up. You think the devil needs to make up a lie to find fault in your life? We're a work in progress. Yes, positionally right with God, practically we're a work in progress. He brings that accusation and Jesus says, he's covered by my blood. She's covered by my blood. Boy, what a glorious, glorious picture. But still he's tainted heaven and there's gonna be a new heaven. We're gonna take off those old garments and put on the new garments of a new heaven and a new earth. Again, that new heaven, new earth is coming. I got on my notes. I won't spend a lot of time on it. How should I view and treat the earth today? This earth is going to pass away. Do I take the mindset of I'm like a janitor on the Titanic, so I ain't going to just let it go down? You know, what, what do I do with this? Look, there's biblical commands concerning this time. And right now we were told to fill the earth and subdue it. We're not to buy this lie that we are a cancer here on earth and somehow the earth is God and Gaia and we're not. That is a lie from Satan. God created the earth for men, for mankind, to be fruitful and multiply, to continue to be fruitful and multiply, to subdue the earth. The earth is for the Lord. And when you ever see people doing things to keep 
folks and cultures from being blessed by the resources that God has given them. I'll tell you right now, that's an antichrist agenda at every single turn. Should we do things in a good way? Absolutely. I even think about our nation. I mean, great lengths that they've gone to to clean up oil production and coal production and all this stuff. No one does it like we do it here. And yet we can't do it here. Let's go to these other countries where they have no regard for anything and we'll buy it from them. You ever sit back and think about that? Or people go, you know, just get an electric car and you can plug it in and none of that happens. Bro, it all comes from the same place. And even right now, I saw the other day, they're exploring Iceland to say, let's go in there and dig it all up to get these, you know, at the, the, what we need for these batteries and so forth. Look, at it's a fallen world. It's a fallen world and God didn't intend for this after man's sin to last forever and ever and ever. So you just get all these problems that come with these things. But make no mistake, man was given dominion over the earth. And I'll tell you as well, these high ups that push this stuff, it has nothing to do with the earth and it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with them trying to make themselves God. We saw a whole video about it last week and that's just one of many mouths. But those little, you know what, they're, they'll, they'll all give an account to the Lord. Again, we should be good stewards. We should. Look, I'm a big recycle guy. Is it because, oh, I worship the earth? No, why do I want to... Th- I paid five cents tax for that can. I'm gonna get my nickel back. (laughs) That's good stewardship. That's why we have a recycling thing at our church. When all of a sudden people can recycle anymore, well, let's, we'll collect it here and we'll go up and then we'll use it to feed the homeless. That's called wisdom. And praise God, hopefully this fall as we're getting our patio finished, we're gonna expand that ministry and there's a need for that. Again, this earth's not our God, but it was created by God for us. We need to be thankful for it, rejoice in it, and even understand from Romans 1:18 to the end of that chapter, it's even given as evidence of the God who made all of it. We also read in this new heaven and new earth, there'll be no sea. It says no more sea. Interesting, water takes up a three quarters of the earth. Water, much of water is used for borders for the nations, which God birthed and put in place. God is not a globalist, just so you know. He will be one in the millennial reign of Christ when he rules as the perfect dictator. But in the meantime, a one world government is not in God's plan and according to God's order, period. And if you hear any supposed ministers of the gospel promoting that, they are ignorant to the scriptures. God birthed nations because what happened before that? Men gathered together on that plain of Shinar and they said, we're gonna build a tower to heaven. We'll call it Babel, which means gateway to heaven. And we'll go up there and defeat God. We ain't gonna go scatter the earth as God told us to. In fact, they said, let's make a name for ourselves. And God said, they ain't going down this way. He went down and made them a bunch of babblers. Confused their language and spread them out. And we read in Acts 17 that all men come from one blood. There is not many races, one race, the human race. And God put barriers and borders in place in hopes of what? That men would grope after God. They would grope after God. And how many examples, even in the history of man, 
where a people were oppressed, but the gospel got to them, and the more men oppressed them, the more they cried out to God. That might be the only hope of revival in this country. I'm not counseling God on it, but I also know history, and I know the scriptures. And I know in the book of Judges, whenever Israel was living large in sin, eventually an oppressor came upon them, and the more they got oppressed, you know what they started doing? They started calling out to God. And the more they called out to God, God heard, and time and time again, God would raise up a type of Christ, a Savior for them. We got a Savior risen up, Jesus Christ. Again, that sea has been a great source of blessing, a source of judgment. We read later on in Revelation 22 that a pure river of water of life is gonna flow from the throne of God and it will be for the healing of the nations. So there'll be no sea, but there'll be this crystal clear flowing of water. And you know what's glorious? We read about that. I'm not gonna read it tonight, but it's there in your notes. You know what's glorious? That we can drink from those streams even right now. Jesus said in John 7, 37, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. I say, Lord, give me that water tonight. Fill me afresh tonight. Heal me up tonight. Strengthen me tonight. Give me endurance and vigor and everything I need tonight. How often do we have not because we ask not? Oh boy, verse two, and it's Sintel. He says, then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Interesting, we're called the bride of Christ in scripture. New Jerusalem's coming down, and it looks like a bride adorned for her husband, the Lord being the groom here. You read in John 14, where the Lord says i'm going away but i'm going to come back for you in fact let's just read it he says let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you i go to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you myself that where i am there you may also be but where do you go and the way uh uh and and where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's interesting. The Lord went away. He's coming back for us. It says he's making mansions for us. This new Jerusalem comes down, and again, you have a new heaven, a new earth, and then you have new Jerusalem. In Hebrews, it talks about a heavenly Jerusalem that's there right now. We don't read about that temple necessarily being made anew and you almost have to wonder if those mansions are part of that new jerusalem and she's a bride for her husband in part because we'll already be living there i i, I don't know there's some mystery here but the glorious thing is that again that holy city jerusalem will come down from the heavens because the earthly one the tabernacle the temple they're earthly patterns of the heavenly jerusalem we know of old jerusalem the jerusalem that's right there it is the only holy city in scripture 
set apart from other cities. For Jesus died and rose from the grave. We know even to this day, according to prophecy, it's a cup of trembling. We know the great tribulation will center around there. And we know absolutely Jesus will return and reign from there for a thousand years. And again, he sees coming down from heaven that new Jerusalem. I think of James 1, 16, it says, every good and perfect gift comes from above from the Father of lights. What a glorious thing it will be. And then again, as a bride prepared for a husband. So this is a bride prepared for a husband of the glory of God. And then even for us, the bride of Christ. And think about weddings, think about brides. Done a lot of weddings over the years. Brides generally put on their best for that wedding day. They walk into the room and the music changes. Everyone stands up and all eyes go to the bride. Tears flow out of many eyes when they see the bride coming up. Those parents looking at that bride. Tears of joy, then also, oh, finally, we're gonna hand her off. No, I don't. <laughs> Guy's up here about to get married and he sees his bride coming down and gets some of the, you know, some of the goofiest looks. I've seen big muscle men look all like, oh, like they're gonna, they're gonna faint or something. And he uses this as a description again. Think about that, the glory of that. And she's gonna come down like a bride prepared for her husband, decked out, top of the line, really beyond anything we can even think or imagine. Notice 1 Corinthians 2, 9, but as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Isn't that an encouragement tonight? And listen, this is the promised city that's gonna last forever. If you go to Daniel 2, and we looked at that chapter, it's probably been over a year, maybe a year and a half ago. Remember, there's, there's a, a, a dream that Nebuchadnezzar has of, of this statue that represents all the, the, the worldwide kingdoms up to this day that we're in right now. And we talked about how all those prophecies have been fulfilled. I mean, know the kingdom that we're in right now is compared to 10 toes with iron and clay mixed together. And there's a lot of different thoughts on that. Some say, well, that's a picture of communism and capitalism coming together. And now there's a lot of people saying, well, that's, the, that's a picture of clay being men and iron being machine coming together. And singularity that's being pushed by all these individuals that I referred to earlier. And again, if you weren't with us last week, I'll give you the link to go where to watch that film we showed of these high up speaking of a merging of being able to basically program people to what they want them to be. It seems to fall all in line with an end time scenario. But I'll give you some encouraging words tonight, okay? Because in Daniel chapter two, verse 43, it's that last worldwide kingdom that we're rapidly headed towards of these 10 toes of iron and clay. And notice what it says in verse 43 of Daniel two. And you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay and these mingled, notice here, with the seed of men. That sound interesting. What were they talking about? the seed of men. We're gonna go in and reboot men. We're gonna go mess with their seed. We're gonna mess with their DNA. They say pretty much everything that we eat, meat or vegetable, they've already messed with the DNA of it with very few exceptions. I mean, you know, the last ones we need to mess with all of that is 
man and again this isn't being set off in a corner they're bold about it so again you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay they will mingle with the seed of men but but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay man has his plans but hear this the lord is a disruptor of plans all that's going to be disrupted it looks good on paper they're putting elements into place right now a lot of chatter a lot of talk but the lord says it's not going to adhere to one another why i'll give you a three 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 words why but the lord but the lord and in the days of these kings the god of heaven will will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed the kingdom shall not be left uh the the kingdom shall not be left to other people it shall break in pieces and consume those kingdoms and it shall stand forever and as much you saw the stone that was cut out of the mountain without hands he's talking about christ he's talking about christ's eternal kingdom and it broke in pieces the iron the bronze the clay the silver and gold those previous efforts of men to rule themselves the great god has made known to the king what will come to pass after this the dream is certain and its interpretation is sure and here we are again from the time of daniel some three thousand years years or so later and they're saying we're going to mix iron and clay and god says they're not going to adhere he prophesied about it that long ago where they're saying we're going to go mess with the seed of men if you're new to that if that's new news to you last week seeing that look at come out from underneath the rock you're living on that's all these guys talk about the zuckenbergers the bill gates all these characters they're all about this they think they can obtain eternal life without god as you've all you know what uh noah harar said we're we're becoming god we don't believe in god but we're going to become god bro that's because you know there is a god that's why you want to aspire for that but it ain't going to adhere it ain't going to work out so my words for that man would be you need to repent you need to repent you think you're so evolved you got a devolved mind son we'll close with these last two verses and then we'll just pick it up in verse three next week because again this new heaven this new earth is going to come down and listen this is something that's been long for been long for really since man fell there in the garden long for from those early patriarchs who i think had a a, a stronger understanding of what sin had done they had a, 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 a stronger grasp. You know, you think about it, Abraham walked with Noah and Noah barely missed walking with Adam if you follow the genealogy. And it speaks about these patriarchs longing for a heavenly country, longing for a city made by the hand of God, that rock that's gonna come down and crush all of this this low point that we're in and again we're blessed in this low point are we not i ain't complaining tonight god has blessed me immensely we are a blessed people here and to say that we're not is a lie against god and i won't lie against god i'm thankful and i rejoice even in the trials god uses it for my good at every turn as he says that he will i'm a blessed blessed man we're a prosperous people on many many a level but here's the thing this is the low point 
And they really understood it back then. They longed for this heavenly city. And this is the longing God wants in us because there's a great hope that comes from it, a great joy. It's a great pick-me-up. God's with me here, but what we have coming and what God's bringing is even so much better. Hope's a glorious thing, is it not? We'll close with this, Hebrews eleven thirteen. It's talking about that hall of faith. All these that did great exploits because of faith, they believed God. It says, and these all died in faith, having not received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. He said, this ain't my home, this ain't my kingdom. We're living in tents here. Abraham was a wealthy man, but he lived in a tent. It was symbolic of the fact that he longed for a greater city. In fact, notice verse 14. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out of, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. And notice, he has prepared a city for them and us in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we bless you. Lord, we thank you for your word, your goodness. Oh, Lord God, I thank you for the hope we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be found of people drawing near to you, God. Let us be found of people presenting ourselves to the Lord so that we could, Lord, abound in holy conduct and godly living, God, not to our praise, but to the glory of the Lord Jesus. And I would hope and pray tonight, God, that our our understanding has been enlightened a bit more as Paul prayed for those in Ephesus and the Holy Spirit prayed for us that we would have a growing understanding of the great inheritance that you have for the saints of God in Christ Jesus. These are exciting things, Lord. I know the devil wants to rob us of these truths, but your word will endure forever and we thank you for that, God. And listen, as we close here tonight, if you don't know the Lord Jesus, today's the day of salvation. We talked about sin tonight and judgment and we've transgressed God's law and we're in a place of sin. And listen, that sin has to be atoned for and dealt with, otherwise we'll be responsible for it. But the good news is that Jesus lived a sinless life. And when he went to the cross, he went to pay the penalty of all of our sin. He laid down his life. Death couldn't hold him because he was the sinless sacrifice. He resurrected from the grave. He ascended to the heavens and he is coming back soon as we spoke of this evening. And in the meantime, he's long suffering as we read, not wanting any to perish. And maybe you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord and you're saying, I don't want to perish. What do I need to do? The scripture says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's a mission. I'm a sinner. Oh Lord, you're the savior. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash me. I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. Be my God. Meet me where I'm at. I want to follow you, Lord. He'll do that. Call on him if you don't know him. We thank you. We praise you. Bless the rest of our night. We pray these things in Jesus' name and we sit together. Amen. Amen.